Hello, and welcome back to Messages of Necessity, the Empire Center's podcast. I am Ken Gerardin, Empire Center's Research Director, and today we're going to be joined by my colleague, Bill Hammond. He's our Senior Fellow for Healthcare Policy, and probably the one person in New York doing a really good job at keeping an eye on the state's Medicaid program. We're going to be talking today about the Medicaid program, what it is, what makes it so costly, and why we should be keeping an especially close eye on it going into next year's state budget. So without further ado, Bill, thanks for joining us again. My pleasure. So Bill, what is Medicaid? I mean, it's the state safety net health plan. It's <clears throat> intended for low-income people, people with disabilities, people with significant healthcare needs who uh, can't afford to pay for their own coverage. Um, it's jointly sponsored with the federal government. The federal government pays at least half of the cost and often a lot more, um, but every state gets to customize it to their own um, preferences. And so they have a lot of control within federal guidelines. They have a lot of control over how broad, how many people can qualify and what menu of benefits there are. Um, New York has traditionally gone with uh, a broad, generous program that covers a lot of people and covers the full menu of benefits. And as a result, we have uh, the most expensive program in the country on a per capita basis. It's it's scheduled to cost in total over a hundred billion dollars this year, um, and that in, uh, includes a lot of federal aid. So about a little over half of that is federal aid, um, but then there's a a big share from the state, and there's also a share from the uh, the counties and New York City. And when people are making comparisons between New York's budget and Florida's budget or Texas's budget, and they're seeing New York spending, you know, in some instances, close to double what those states are, the biggest piece of that is Medicaid. It's the combination of the state, local, and federal funding that really puts New York up into low Earth orbit for total spending. And when we talk yeah, about... Our, our, I mean, our, one com comparison that gets made a lot is that our Medicaid spending is roughly equal to that of Texas and Florida combined. And Texas and Florida are both bigger states than New York. So it's, it's partly a, a matter of, of the fact that they are red states who chose not to do the Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act. But it's also just partly because New York is just very aggressive when it comes to Medicaid. Well, and you're forgetting the weather too, all those ski injuries as well. But when we talk <laughs> about the the eligibility criteria, how many New Yorkers are we talking about when we talk about the people covered by Medicaid? So right now it's over a third of the state. Uh, in New York City, it's close to half of the population is enrolled in Medicaid. Um, it's uh, somewhere in the vicinity of 8 million. It's, it's a little under 8 million actually in the most recent tally. Um, and that, that's one of the reasons why we have such an expensive program is that we cover so many people. We cover a larger share of our population than all but 
um, two other states. And those other states are um, New Mexico and Louisiana, which are, you know, high poverty states. New York's poverty level is about average. So that's one reason why our program is so expensive. We also have high healthcare costs. So each of those enrollees is costing an average of um, almost $12,000. And again, that's um, all, higher than all but five other states. So if you combine those two things, big enrollment and high spending per enrollee, you just get a very expensive program. Um, I like to do a calculation on a per capita basis. So like spending for every resident of the state. And in that category, we're number one. And we have been for quite a few years now. You had a great blog post a few weeks ago diving into this and showing how New York stacks up and how New York was spending almost double those backwards, uh, tight-fisted red states such as New Jersey and Illinois. Um, I'd encourage people to yeah. go find that blog post and see just, um, it, it's really striking. You don't believe it until you see it, just where New York's Medicaid spending level is until you see it stacked up against the other 49 states. So I look at a lot of comparative data between states. And New York is a big state, and that tends to, normally that tends to make us average because we're big. We have a little bit of every type of person there is and every type of problem there is. And so normally the people at the, the far ends, you know, either at the low end or the high end, are going to be the small states with quirky situations like Hawaii and Alaska. For New York to be at the extreme end of something is a sign of, you know, state policy really driving that situation. Uh, another thing I should mention is that when the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, it, it, its kind of stated goal was to make Medicaid much broader and more generous New York was already where the Affordable Care Act wanted states to be. And so you might have expected that as other states took the deal of the Medicaid expansion, accepted additional federal, federal aid and expanded their Medicaid programs, that they would catch up or even surpass New York's spending level. But New York has found ways to increase its spending just as much as those other states did. And and that's why it's, it's maintained its status as the most expensive Medicaid program on a per capita basis. Well, you talked about how many people are eligible for coverage under New York Medicaid. Talk a little more about the, the type of care and the type of programs that the state offers through Medicaid that really set us apart here. You've been doing a really good job keeping track of what's known as the personal care component of Medicaid. Tell us a little bit about that. So unlike most health insurance, Medicaid covers long-term care. It covers the stuff that commercial health insurance covers, namely covers doctor visits, hospitals, procedures, um, drug, when you go to the pharmacy and get your prescriptions filled. Those are what's called acute care. Um, but on top of that, Medicaid really is the only program that covers long-term care, meaning when you are um, per either permanently disabled or you're disabled for more than a few months, either by an illness or, you know, some injury or maybe due to a, a, a 
congenital condition. Um, so you need a nursing home or you need some kind of institutional care or maybe you need home care. Uh, and home care, home-based care is where New York really stands out. Um, this is uh, where a caregiver comes into your apartment or your home or your residence. They visit you for a set number of hours per week. And they, they sometimes they are providing traditional health care. So they're taking your blood pressure, giving you your meds. But there's also this concept called personal care, which is where they're just, where this caregiver isn't necessarily trained in any kind of professional way or medical way, but they're there to help you get in and out of bed, um, get your meals, clean the house, shop, things that because you're disabled, you can't do for yourself. And there was a time when someone with that set of needs would either be dependent on their family or they would be in a nursing home. That was, those were pretty much the only options. Um, home care over the past few decades has become increasingly popular and New York's Medicaid program has invested in it in a really aggressive way. And the thing is that that has not replaced nursing home care. We still have a higher than average nursing home population. So um, I think home care is, has, has gone beyond its original purpose. It's not just helping people who are you know, severely disabled and really can't, help, can't fend for themselves and don't have family members to help them. It's kind of branching out into a broader variety of people who maybe are less disabled maybe they do have some family support and this is supplementing it and maybe they're they have resources of their own you know maybe they come from a middle class or even a wealthy family but they've arranged their finances in such a way that they qualify for medicaid and so our 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 home-based care provided through medicaid um, is just at the top of the charts by almost every measure uh, and it's the fastest growing part of our uh, Medicaid program. I'm going to give our listeners some statistics to help them put these numbers in context. Uh, back in November, you reported that New York's spending on personal care was $12 billion per year. And am I correct that about half of that came from the federal government? Yeah, it's a little over half. It's probably closer to sixty percent. Um, yeah, just the, uh, the thing about, about that is that 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 number, I believe, was roughly equal to the other forty-nine states combined. Or like, it's some ridiculous amount. It's it's um. There's no like. I guess California has kind of started to catch up with us in this area, but they're twice the size that we are. So you know, they've got a long way to go. That was the next statistic I was going to offer. I figured I'd flag that at least half of $12 billion for our listeners in Washington, D.C., who are soon going to be going <laughs> through the couch cushions to deal with uh, the, the federal budget deficit, uh, because it really is amazing that New York is spending basically just as much as the other 49 states combined on this program. Um, it really it, it really demands greater scrutiny from the state legislature, which has been fairly hands-off 
with respect to Medicaid. You would think with this multi-billion dollar program, you'd have um, you know, a higher level of oversight from the legislature, but they don't seem to be terribly interested. And this is this is either party, either conference. You know, uh, when I first started paying attention to Albany, Medicaid was kind of the annual headache. It was always growing faster than the state could afford. Um, and it was kind of the con- the 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 zeitgeist of Albany was how what are we going to do to control Medicaid? There were there were some voices in the legislature that were, hey, we love Medicaid, we'd like to spend more. But the but the governor and the legislative leaders kind of joined together every year and tried to figure out a way to rein it in. That really has gone away. Um, the new zeitgeist is how can we expand Medicaid and how much more of it, how much more money can we find to spend on it and how much, how many more benefits can we do and how much more can we pay the providers? That's the annual discussion. And I think a lot of legislators, they equate Medicaid with healthcare. They think of, um, and, and I mean, it is, it is the single biggest thing the state does in the area of healthcare. Uh, but they um, they focus on that to the exclusion of thinking about the commercial side of the healthcare um, uh, economy, which also needs their help in the sense of they need it. They need the state to back off. They need the state to stop um, imposing taxes on it. For one thing, they need the state to stop imposing mandates on it that make it more expensive. Um, they need the state to just examine what the providers are doing that's 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 draining so much money from the economy. And instead of thinking about it that way, they just, I think when the average legislator thinks healthcare, they think Medicaid and the more the better. And and so that's that's been kind of the dynamic of the last few years. The It was usually the governor's role to be kind of, the uh, the bad guy and to say, listen, we we resources are limited. We can't be all things to all people in the healthcare world. Um, and and actually, uh, in the early part of his term, that that was a role that Cuomo took on pretty squarely and had some success in reining in Medicaid's growth. At least he held it pretty flat for his first few years in office. It got a little looser, you know, as time went on. But under Governor Hochul, Governor Hochul, it's it's been almost a night and day transition where she has been a cheerleader for expanding Medicaid. She's changed a number of the rules to allow spending to grow faster than it had been growing. So it is growing faster than it has been. Um, and I think they're they're gonna hit a wall on that in the in next year's budget. Um I recently wrote about you know, the spending pattern through the first half of this fiscal year, which ended, which was at the end of September. We, um, our plan was to spend 13% more on Medicaid this year than last year. That's a remarkably that's large. That's on increase. purpose. That's the plan. That's the plan. That we was the plan. Deliberately hiking spending 13%. We are 16% over that target. Um, uh, I'm not sure how that math works out, but we're well over that target, almost $3 billion over that target, just in terms of the state share of the program. Um, That is really setting us up for uh, uh, something like a fiscal crisis, either this year or certainly next year, 
where the state has to figure out how do we find the money, either how do we find the money to cover that additional spending or how do we bring that spending under control? That's, I mean, that's kind of the, the dilemma. Well, and there's just an important distinction here between, we'll say, Medicaid and aid for local school districts, where when someone when we send school aid to local school districts, we make sure we have the money, we cut the check. Uh, sometimes we have to lower that amount of money, depending on budgetary situations. With Medicaid, there is no prior authorization. That is to say, someone doesn't go to the doctor show their Medicaid card and call, you know, and then have the receptionist call Governor Hochul to make sure there's money available. Yeah. We, we give the no, care. No, it's an entitlement. It's what they call an entitlement, meaning there are laws and rules around it. And under those laws and rules, there, in principle, there is no limit on how much it will spend. So if more people than expected show up and apply and qualify, more people than expected are going to be enrolled. And if they need more health care, if they demand more health care than expected, or if costs of that health care go up more than expected, the state, it's very difficult for the state to rein that in. There, you know, technically the health commissioner has some authority in that area under a rule that Cuomo put in, but um, the health commissioner just has never exercised that kind of emergency authority to, to cut expenses. And it's like, you know, it's kind of the proverbial ocean liner. Once it gets going, it develops a lot of momentum. It's hard to turn it. So if you if you decide, okay, we're going to shave enrollment here, we're going to trim benefits here, that takes a long time to implement. Often you end up with litigation, pushback. Um, the legislature will rethink things years after you thought they were settled. Uh, and so it takes a long time to implement even the consensus reforms uh, and then to realize any savings takes even longer. Uh, and so often what officials will do is resort to kind of ham-handed tactics to control costs, such as across the board rate reductions. Um, another tactic, really unfortunate tactic that was pioneered by Governor Cuomo is simply not to pay your bills on time. And so uh, in the spring of 2019, um, his Medicaid spending was one point, the state share was $1.7 billion over budget. And instead of kind of alerting the legislature to this situation and taking action to, to balance things, he simply postponed paying a month's worth of uh, Medicaid bills, uh, Medicaid premiums to uh, managed care plans. He postponed it by uh, like a week and a half from late March, early April. So it's technically moving that expense from one fiscal year into the next. What he was really doing, though, is creating a deficit in the in the next budget, uh, and and that became a crisis. And it became uh, he appointed a redesign team to to fix the crisis. And that redesign team was still meeting when the coronavirus wave hit New York City, and so it. Postponing the hard decisions on this can really blow up on you. And that was an example of that. Um, and I think we're facing another comparable situation now where um, spending is growing faster than budgeted. And 
revenues are starting to go soft. We're, we already know we have a multi-billion dollar deficit next year and any cost overruns in the Medicaid program are gonna add to that. And we should remind our listeners uh, that that Medicaid overrun was coincidentally concurrent with Governor Cuomo proposing that everyone in New York get brand new license plates, which would have raised <laughs> something something in the neighborhood of 60 or $70 million to help cover that deficit. That's probably the way most folks would remember that period of time. But yes, Medicaid was the reason you almost got new license plates in 2019. Uh, Bill, I'm glad you mentioned the budget gap. The governor is officially looking at a $9 billion gap between revenues and expenses in the budget that she needs to balance and propose in January. Uh, here at the Empire Center, our calculation puts that budget gap in the neighborhood of $10 billion, and that's without uh, including added costs from the ongoing migrant crisis in New York City. Uh, for the people in state government listening, what are your recommendations on what should be done to bring Medicaid costs under control? I mean, Medicaid has become, as I said, it's become kind of a catch-all for all healthcare. And so a good portion of what that constitutes Medicaid spending isn't really about providing care to anybody. It one big expense that's in there is keeping um, healthcare institutions financially afloat. So when a hospital gets into a crisis, so um we have an example of that now, One Brooklyn Health. It's a three hospital network in Brooklyn, all safety net hospitals, all with long time financial losses. Primarily, some partly due to the fact that they're serving a lot of low income people who are on Medicaid and Medicaid doesn't pay well. They're also serving a lot of underinsured people. But another big factor for them is that they're just losing patients. Their patients are going to other hospitals in other parts of New York City. So they have this structural problem where they, they can't meet their payroll without a lot of help from the state. And that help flows through the Medicaid program. And so we're literally spending billions of dollars a year, not to provide care to people, but to keep the lights on in institutions that are not financially viable. And if this was just a temporary thing to, to tide an institution over for a year or two, that would be one thing. These are these are long-term, they they turn into long-term bailouts, you know, that that last years and years, sometimes even decades, where a, a hospital is is utterly dependent on these these discretionary grants under Medicaid. So that I mean that's one area where I it would it would be politically painful because it would it would mean allowing um, uh, money losing institutions to downsize or close and that's politically unpopular. But that's that's one area where if you know like if you were trying to make Medicaid make more sense, that's something you would do. Um, I would also just try to put a lid on personal care, the, the that form of home care we were talking about before, where our utilization of that is just an outlier compared to other states, including, as you said, other, you know, bright blue states like Massachusetts and New Jersey were head and shoulders above everybody on that. And so there must be room for savings, I, you know, some kind of moratorium or freeze or, and probably 
uh, a major intensive audit of what's going on there because I, I suspect that there's a certain amount of fraud that explains our high levels of spending in that area. Um, and then I think we just need to, like uh, Hochul agreed to big rate increases. Um, I mean, I, I'm torn about this because Medicaid is a terrible payer, um, but we can't afford to be a good payer. And so I just, I, I expect that the legislature will be considering some kind of freeze on rates or even a rollback of the rate increases simply because they don't have the money to afford them. Well, we'll have that, to. This is one reason why having a big Medicaid program uh, is a mistake in my view, like letting it get too big, letting it go beyond focus on the real uh, people who need it the most, the indigent and the disabled. It's, it does not pay well. So the providers who, who treat those people tend to barely break even or lose money on those patients. And to the extent you have more people in that category where they're money losers for their doctors and their hospitals, that's, that's harmful for those doctors and hospitals. If you could get more of those people on commercial insurance, which pays much better, that would ultimately benefit the, the healthcare economy. Well, we'll have to come back to the question of why more people can't afford private insurance in New York or or care without insurance in New York or... All right, we've got the next four podcasts together teed up. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> thank you for what you do. You are the single best uh, Medicaid watchdog in New York, and I encourage folks to follow you on Twitter. Make sure you're getting our emails. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast. Uh, I appreciate you listening today and joining us. Uh, thank you, as always, for uh, for your support of the Empire Center. And uh, with that, uh, we uh, we adjourn this message of necessity. For more news and analysis, visit our website and sign up for email updates at empirecenter.org. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Empire Center.